Hello, my beautiful beans, and welcome to today's episode. So this episode is going to be all about habits and how habits can transform your life. I was talking about this in my last episode, and I was like, "Did I have I even done an episode? Because I know I always kind of circle back to the importance of habits. But turns out I looked at every episode I've ever done, and I've never dedicated an episode to habits and why they are so important and why they are so beneficial to your life in the short term and also in the long term, okay? So there's so much to talk about and I'm going to obviously explain everything about that in this episode. Before I do that, I just wanted to do a weekly update and I also wanted to just touch on a topic that came up It did come up on the Facebook group and I thought it was interesting to talk about it to you guys um, because it is a massive red flag, but I have also been DM'd about this a lot. So this is not just an isolated kind of story that I've heard. It's pretty common. Anyway, um, update on the week. I'm finally out of isolation. I am recovered. I feel great. I think I'm a bit nasally, which is, you know, a bit annoying, but I've had friends that have gotten COVID and they were nasally for about two weeks after. I I can breathe through my nose all the fun things, but but yeah, just a little bit congested. And in this week, it made me realize how badly I want to get back into my own habits, my own rituals. I found that I got into these really annoying patterns of just watching too much TV or being on my phone too much. And the first few days is fine because you're obviously sick. I'm not going to be doing work when I'm sick you've got to like chill, rest, you know, whatever. But I found, and I really noticed how quickly it happens that the more time you spend just on your devices all day long, you're actually more tired. And this was after I, the last four days when I totally recovered, I was feeling quite sluggish. I was feeling very, uh, like my drive to do things was really low. And it's, yeah, it's pretty much what I bang on about all the time. But when I don't have that morning routine of wake up at this time, get all this stuff done, I'm up and at it. I kind of just felt like I just, the more I would put something off, the more I would want to put it off. And yeah, so it kind of got me even more motivated to do this episode today and really excited about Monday morning, which is tomorrow morning, because that's when my first week of work for the year begins. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, yeah, cool. Uh, you, obviously, there's not much more exciting to say other than, and this is not exciting, I had the lovely, um, the lovely, decision of cancelling my trip to Europe. Fucking do not love that for me, but I literally had COVID when I was supposed to be getting a test to be eligible to go. So there was no way that I would have even passed that test to then get on a fucking flight because I'm supposed to be flying tomorrow. Um, Pretty bummed about that, but it is what it is. And I wasn't getting too excited about this trip anyway, because I knew that there were so many fucking balls in the air to make this trip happen. So Whatever, it is what it is. I've got a flight credit and hopefully I can make it to Europe in a couple of months or in like Euro summer, whatever. Okay, so what I actually wanted to talk about in this thing that had come up on the Facebook group was this idea of partners monitoring your social media use. I'll keep it anonymous, but someone in the Facebook group made a comment about a partner who monitors how many friends they have on social media and notices when their friend count goes up and questions them about it, okay? Now, I've been asked 
very different, like similar but different things, like people that monitor, you know, when they comment on someone's photo or they'll question them about every person that's commented on their photo that they put up. Or there's just all this like heavy monitoring of your partner's social media use and how to go about it and what do you do. That is actually a form of emotional abuse, that monitoring. There's even a name for it um, and it's this kind of – it's like – you know, weird. It's like it's like the baby version of stalking. It's like what a stalker starts doing is that they start monitoring your social media use. Then they start monitoring your whereabouts. Then they start monitoring your behaviors, your actions, who you're hanging around with in real life, and it just continues to escalate. Okay, but even if it doesn't escalate, and even if it just stays at the social media um, level, it is still unacceptable. There is nothing. No excuse that can justify that, okay? I don't care if your ex or your ex, if your partner says, oh, but my ex cheated on me so much and it was on social media, so now I'm paranoid. Okay, good on you for acknowledging that and good on you for hopefully wanting to work through it, but still unacceptable. It's it's never okay, no matter how awful your partner's ex-relationships have been, they do not have a ticket or a green light to then carry on these toxic traits and behaviours into your relationship. I don't care how sorry you feel for them. It is still not acceptable. There is no circumstance in, in where that behaviour is acceptable, okay? And the worst thing that you can do for yourself I mean, who cares what, whatever for the partner. But the worst thing you can do for you is to try to find a happy medium with your partner when it comes to this. It's like, well, you know, I'll show you everything or, or I'll, I'll explain who all these people are or no, can't, no, can't. Like if your partner doesn't trust you, no matter how much explanation you give them, it, it won't matter. That trust will not get better, okay, because trust – is internal. Trust comes from the person that is trusting, okay? You can't make someone trust you. You can't. You can display behaviors that are more trustworthy than other behaviors, but ultimately trust comes from the individual that is trusting and they then choose to be in that relationship or not. I personally feel that if I couldn't trust my partner and it just ate away at me, I would probably want to leave the relationship. Because no matter how much they would do to prove that they are trustworthy, people can still lie. So if you don't trust them, it's got to do with either the fact that you've been burnt in the past and you just absolutely cannot get over that and now you're dragging that into your relationship and making that relationship suffer. Or it could be that your intuitions are right and that person is not trustworthy. But I've been with someone, not just one person, but a few, but in particular, someone who was extremely untrustworthy. And it was the only relationship where I ever truly felt that I couldn't trust him. And I was going insane and reading, you know, people that would comment on his posts and I would be kind of going a bit insane. And I I never, I don't check people's phones or anything like that, but I would be thinking like, you know, um, are there clues? Are there hints? Are there, and it's because I knew, I knew that something wasn't right. Okay. So what I mean by that is if someone cannot trust you or if you cannot trust your partner, there's probably an underlying reason for that. Okay but it's not because they've got three extra friends on Facebook and you now think, oh my God, something can't be trusted here. I can guarantee you that. So someone justifying, oh, look, this is why I've got extra friends on Facebook. That's not going to fix the trust in the relationship. Fuck no. It's going to make it 
worse. It's going to make them think, oh, okay, when I want access to any information that I want from you, you're just going to give it to me. The, who you socialize with, your partner has no control over, none, okay? Your partner can say, I would rather not join you when you socialize with, with those people because I don't get along with them. But that's pretty much as far as it goes. I could never tell Tyrone who he can hang out with and who he can't. If I don't like who he hangs out with, that's on me, right? I either tap out and say, well, I'm just not happy with the relationships you have in your life and I can't handle it. Or I can say, I'm just not going to hang out with them when you do. That's all I can do. And so if a partner tries to control who you hang around with, that is controlling toxic behavior. You do not meet them in the middle and try and find a middle ground unless you agree with your partner that those people are toxic or unhealthy or bad people. And if you're going to take it that next step of, you know, checking your partner's phones, this idea of, oh, my phone is, you know, firstly, I don't think that you should be hoarding your phone and locking it at all times and making it look like you've got something to hide for sure. But I would never, even if Tyrone gave me his phone and said, go through it, I would never because I don't think it's fair that partners feel that they have access to your phone. What if Tyrone was having a private conversation with a relative about something that is that I'm not privy to that information that is not about me your partner doesn't exist for the relationship okay they are in a relationship and the relationship is part of their life but it is not their life okay so they are entitled to have private conversations outside of you and you're entitled to have private conversations outside of your partner that does not directly impact your partner it doesn't mean that they can read everything that is being said just because you can read it okay some things might just be for your eyes only and it doesn't impact the relationship So I don't think that it's healthy to be going through your partner's phones and that is a sign that you trust each other, okay? Privacy exists in all circumstances and everyone is entitled to privacy from anyone, okay? So it is bullshit, bullshit that a partner dangles that in front of you saying, oh, if I can't have access to this, then you are not trustworthy. Toxic, 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 red flag, red flag, red flag, emotional abuse, If your partner is doing that to you, let them know everything I just said about everyone's entitled to their privacy and that there is an issue with trust that goes beyond this one circumstance that you're talking about and that you will not have it. It is no longer a point of discussion. You will not have it. Okay? End of story. It is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Anyway, obviously, that's one thing that makes my blood boil. So if you are the individual that was on that group, you are completely in your right to do whatever you want on your social media and that does not determine how trustworthy you are, okay? Now, let's actually get into, onto the topic of today, which is why habits are going to change your life, your year, change everything for the better, if good habits, okay? So firstly, what is a habit? A habit is an automated behavior that's repeated in the same context or the same environment. A habit is something that is ultimately a subconscious process. You've done it enough times that it becomes a subconscious process, okay? A habit cuts out the decision-making process because you've made that decision in the past, you've decided to do it repetitively or every single day or three times a week, and it's done. That decision never has to be made again, okay? It was made once. Often what, what makes people stall and what wastes so much time and what requires motivation and drive is the decision to do something on a day-to-day basis. A habit removes that altogether. You no longer are doing that. You cut out the need 
for motivation. You cut out the need for drive because it's this learnt repetitive behaviour. And humans are a creature of habit, okay? There's this researcher, Wendy Wood, and she found that up to 45% of our behaviours are habits, either good or bad, but up to 45% of our behaviours are habits. And we've created these habits, whether we've done it intentionally or whether we've just kind of slipped into them kind of by default. But imagine if most of these habits were intentional, how much of your life could change? How much could you get done? How much happier would you be? How much more fulfilled? What kind of growth could you achieve if most of these habits were intentional and you chose for those habits to be that way? So much could change. And the fact that, that if, you know, that what, what this researcher is saying, if nearly half of our behaviors are habits, it shows you how the brain is wired to want to have habits. And that is because the brain is a very efficient machine, okay? It wants efficiency. It wants to be like, okay, is this something I'm going to repeat again? Is this something I'm going to be doing really regularly? Because if it is, then I'm going to really streamline that process and then kind of um, I'm going to outsource that work to the subconscious mind. So now I can use my conscious mind and my conscious attention and my conscious decision-making to more kind of relevant things at hand, But all these other things can just be um, sent off to the subconscious mind and I can just do it on repeat. It can become a really streamlined process and I get really good, not only really good at doing it, but it becomes really easy for me to do it. So look at a lot of the habits that you already have in your life. It could be how you get in the car and turn the car on. Uh, It could be how you wake up in the morning. It could be the time that you wake up in the morning. It's It's a series of movements that are done in the same order. Or how do you get ready when you're about to go out, the the process of maybe doing your makeup or do you do your hair and then your makeup? Everyone kind of does it in the same order most of the time, okay? And some of these habits are super helpful without even realizing it. For example, brushing your teeth. I reckon most people would really feel weird going to bed without brushing their teeth or waking up and starting their day without washing their face, at least, you know. But then some habits are really detrimental, of course. Like one of them would be coming home from work when there's so much that you want to do with your life, but you come home from work and the first thing you do is collapse on your bed or your couch and then open your phone straight away. Then it's game over because you're probably there for way longer than you anticipated. You go down this deep, dark hole and then before you know it, when you get up to take action, you A, have depleted all your dopamine and your willingness to do something and B, you've probably wasted a lot of that prime time for you to actually be doing the thing you wanted to be doing and then you're like, oh, fuck it, I'll just do it tomorrow, let's just cook dinner and go to bed. Another bad habit, of course, would be drinking in excess way too often or smoking or there's a whole bunch of negative habits that you can think about. So I want you to kind of, we'll do, I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate this exercise at the end, but it, awareness is one of the best ways to um, start a new habit, but also to break habits, okay? And I'll go into breaking habits at the end as well because there's, a, there's this idea around breaking habits that I want to share with you guys. Okay, so why do we need habits? Like I said, it replaces motivation. You're going to do it no matter what. You're going to do it no matter what you're feeling at the time. And that's that big difference between you look at people who are always getting shit done. The reason that they're getting shit done is because they're not – so thrilled and obsessed with it that they're doing it all the time. It's because they're willing to do these small daily tasks every day. 
you know, it's, they're, they're, they're probably not that much smarter than you. May, maybe through their habits, they've become smarter, but their starting blocks, you know, you also have the ability to get to where a lot of these people are. The people that you look up to, the people that have achieved what you want to achieve, most of them have gotten there through these daily habits, okay? It's this willingness to do something when they don't really feel like doing it. And the best way to get to that point where you can be like that is through habits, of course. Now, I do have an entire episode on decision-making and decision fatigue, so I really recommend you go listen to that because it ties in quite nicely with this episode. But we all have a decision-making quota every day, and as the day goes down, it gets harder and harder to make a decision. So if you've just been at work all day and then you get home and you collapse on the couch, that decision to stop looking at your phone or get off social media to get up and then go and do that task is going to be really hard, and you're going to keep avoiding it and procrastinating and putting it off because it's at the end of the day. You're probably you've almost, if not completely, maxed out this decision-making quota that you have. So you're going to be fully depleted. So the opportunity is now gone. But if you had a habit that when you come home, you don't even look at your phone, you put it down, bang, 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 you get changed and you sit down and you just put 10 minutes to a task, then in 365 days, where will you be versus where you started? Habits are also an insanely great breeding ground for discipline. And it makes tasks so much easier and it makes it so much easier to stay on track with these tasks. Habits have a compounding effect, okay? So it's all these little tiny things that add up and start giving you massive rewards, okay? So say you want to um, learn a language. It's not about sitting down one day and doing 10 hours of a language course intensely and then nothing for a month and then sitting back down. No, it's, you know, 15 minutes every day or if you can, 30 minutes every day and it's this incremental thing and it's actually compounding because what happens is that you get quicker at it, you get better at it, your memory around it gets better, you have less resistance to sit down and do it, you get into the zone a lot faster than when you first start. Initially, when you sit down, it might take you five, 10 minutes to start getting into that focus zone. But then 100 days later, you sit down, bang, you're right in the zone because your brain has kind of wired itself to be like, I'm prepared for this, I'm used to this, I'm not resisting it, I'm doing it now. And then of course, you've got all the added benefits of the habits. It's this, again, with this compounding benefit of if you have like a morning routine and if you have an afternoon routine when you get home and a nighttime routine, then you get into, you know, you you get big rewards in the way of time saving, focus, productivity, your stress levels are lower, you've got improved sleep, your relationships are improved and you've got higher levels of life satisfaction and of self-love. There's also a compounding effect with bad habits, a really bad compounding effect with bad habits. So it's not just you doing something that's not really ideal once. If you, if you know one day you get home and you're just absolutely exhausted, you feel you're coming down with something, you climb into bed and you sleep it off. Okay, you didn't get one thing done one day. That's not what's going to ruin things for you. It's this idea of every afternoon coming home and not doing absolutely anything with your time and then feeling dissatisfied with your life. And then that leads to higher stress levels, poor sleep, low levels of life satisfaction, mood problems, even relationship problems. And then, of course, not to mention that feeling of life not being where you want it to be because you feel that you have no time. And it could also be a habit that has direct implications on your physical health, like excessive drinking or smoking and what that's going to do to your health in a compounding way. If you have one cigarette on a blue moon with some friends, it's not going to be the same as if you have three cigarettes every single afternoon, every fucking day. So how are habits formed? Again, for the 50 millionth time, cells that wire together 
fire together. When you do a behavior and then you repeat that behavior again in the same way and then again, the brain starts to very quickly identify a pattern, very quickly, in, the, in a matter of like two weeks. Sometimes it's less. Sometimes the more intention you put behind it, it can take less time for the brain to form that habit. But in a matter of just weeks, your brain identifies that this is going to keep happening. It's going to understand that this circuit is going to be done a lot. And the neurons required in that circuit are going to form kind of like a, a pathway, some sort of a circuit. It's going to, it's going to be like a, a loop if you want to imagine something like visual in your head. And the brain understands that these circuits are connected, okay? And it's thinking, okay, now I need to streamline this process because if I'm going to be doing this same thing again and again and again, I need to strengthen this pathway. I need to give nutrients to this pathway, blood supply to the pathway. I need to strengthen, you know, the, the, the myelin around the axons of this pathway so it becomes super, super efficient, a super efficient highway so I don't even have to, you know, make all the decisions. I don't have to work really, really hard to get in the zone and do it. I just do it. Okay. And that is when it then becomes subconscious. You no longer have to think about doing it. It's just done. The brain has set it up for you. These cells have fired together enough times that it's now properly wired together and it's a very efficient pathway. The same thing goes for motor skills. Look at dancers, for example, look at athletes, look at, and I always say this, like when you look at Olympians or any kind of athlete, look at how they prep themselves to do something. Look at how a professional soccer player sets up a free kick. Look at how a tennis player serves. Look at all these behaviors and they are literally almost identical. Look at how a weightlifter sets up before they lift that weight. And we're talking about elite level people. They don't do it differently every time. It is identical and fucking identical every single time. The brain has created such a streamlined way of doing it. And it's created such a strong pathway that you're not even going to make the setup differently. Even the lead up, tiny, tiny behaviors in those 5, 10, 15 seconds before you perform the action are going to be the same because the brain likes association. So if this athlete starts to do this little little like hop, skip, run before they kick the ball or if they like to bounce the ball four times before they serve it, that is you getting into this prepared habitual loop before you make the action, okay? And your brain does that with everything, okay? It could be with how you wake up. It could be with how you drink a glass of water, how you drive to work. It does it in every action that you do in your life. And the beauty of this is that when that action, and this is a good thing, it's not a bad thing, this is a good thing, when that action stops being done, when you, when you break the habit, whether it's a good habit or a bad habit, that pathway starts to get less and less strengthened. It starts to weaken and weaken and weaken to the point where it's vulnerable to be overridden by another pathway altogether, okay? The brain, this demonstrates how plastic the brain is. And I think I've spoken about this study that was done in an episode, but I just have so many episodes that I think it's important that I like retell this study. It's not really great ethically as far as, anyway, whatever. There was, there's like a part of the brain that kind of maps out, it's like a sensory map in the brain. So, and it's on the surface of your brain and they call it the homunculus. Look it up. It's quite interesting. Anyway, for certain regions of that part of the brain, it's going to be one region will be dedicated to the tongue. One region will be dedicated to your fingertips, your arms, your hands, whatever. 
They did a study where on a monkey, they stitched two of the monkey's fingers together. And that mapping on the brain that represents that sensory area on the surface of the skin of where those two fingers were stitched together, that part of the brain actually kind of disappeared and it kind of blended together the two bits of skin that were getting sensory input. So the outside of those two fingers, but not they were no longer getting sensory input from the inside of those two fingers where they were stitched together. So they saw very quick rewiring of that map, that sensory map of the monkey's hand. Okay. And then a few months later or weeks, I don't know how long it was, I don't know the time frame, but they then unstitched the fingers, it healed, and then the monkey was using its hand normally again. And that mapping then came back. It's the brain thinking, I'm not using this anymore, so instead of keeping it dormant here, it's gone. I'm getting rid of it and I'm going to override it with what is being used and it blended out that map of the, the sensory map of the hand of the monkey that was being used. And then again, you reverse it and the brain's like, wow, I'm actually using this. I'm getting sensory input. I'm now going to start to use it. So use that analogy with how the brain creates networks and wiring for habits. If you start a new habit and that is potentially overriding the time where you're normally doing an old habit that you don't like, you don't need, so, you don't need to think so hard about breaking the old habit. You just need to create a new, healthy, beneficial habit on top of it. Okay, then your brain's going to notice I'm not using much energy now on that old habit that I used to do all the time. I don't need to put energy into that. I'm going to start making that pathway a lot weaker. That circuit is not really needed anymore. So it starts to get rid of it. That kind of plasticity of cells wiring together and firing together is happening on a daily basis throughout your brain in every area of your brain. Habits also take away the emotional resistance towards doing something, okay? It's not a consideration that you have to take on board. You know, your brain just does it, okay? So you associate this habit with part of your day and it's just something that you do. You don't really judge your performance. You don't get too caught up on the outcome, the immediate outcome of that 30-minute practice session or that 10-minute reading session. You just do it. You don't, your brain doesn't seek perfection in each single time because you know that you're doing it every single day for the foreseeable future. So some days it's going to be really great and fruitful and other days it's not going to be that great. But overall, if you're doing this for 10, 15, 30 minutes a day, every day after 180 days or 365 days, you're doing way better than what you did at the start or what you did a year ago or two years ago. You know, there's this, if you were to, let's say you want to play the guitar and you you pick up the guitar once a fortnight, you're probably going to be more judgmental towards how you're playing it. You're probably going to want to do better. You're going to think, okay, well, you know, I did this two weeks ago. You're going to be trying too hard. You're going to be trying. And instead of just being this rote thing, you pick it up and you just do it, do it, do it, do it. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's okay if you make mistakes, go back, do it again, go back, do it again, put the guitar down. Okay. If you were to pick up the guitar for that same, let's say you practice the guitar for five hours once every three weeks or once every two weeks versus 15, 20 minutes every single day, the daily results are going to be way better than that, that five-hour chunk, 
because for two reasons. One, you're creating a, a stronger network in the brain that you keep revisiting again and again and again every single day. Your brain is primed for that action to happen every day, so it's ready for it, and it is more um, – the network is richer, it's thicker because you just did it yesterday. And also, your emotional resistance is going to go down towards it because you're not going to be too bummed or too worried. You're not really going to care if you make a few mistakes here. If you're, The main thing is that you did it. Okay, so when you rarely do a task, you want it to go well because you're rarely doing it. Otherwise, you're feeling, why the fuck am I doing this? I haven't done this in so long. I'm dedicating all this time to it. Why am I doing it? Whereas if you do it every single day, your emotion towards the task changes. You just think, I'm doing this today. I'm getting it done next, okay? You don't put pressure on yourself. You don't have judgment towards your performance or your behavior or how it went down. You just get it done. Okay, And that is why people that end up getting shit done in their life get to where they are because they don't expect great things every time they sit down and perform the task. They just expect to complete that time frame that they're dedicating to the task. And then in good time, it is going to be an amazing thing. Association is also a really big one. Okay. That's why I think it's really good to have a routine with a whole set of habits back to back. That's why I talk about this morning routine all the time where you get up and from the moment you get up, try and make it a one hour kind of routine of a series of habits back to back because you associate once I finish washing my face and brushing my teeth, I'm putting my active wear on. Once I've put my active wear on, I'm going to go and move my body once and it's just bang, bang, bang. You associate the task that you're doing with the following task that you're doing, with the following task, with the following task. And that also shows you why if you're on this, let's say you're, you're like, I'm, I don't want to drink that often anymore. I just don't. But then every time you sit down with a certain group of friends, you find out that you've just been, oh my God, I just dropped the ball and I just started drinking. It's not because in a lot of cases, especially for adults, it's not because they were pressuring you to drink. You probably made that decision without them saying a word that you were just going to drink with them because it's association. Every time I hang around with these people, we like to have a drink. We like to have multiple drinks. We like to have a good time. And then you just get annoyed at yourself. And it's not because they pressured you or you pressured yourself. It's because you slipped into this habit that you're used to doing, okay? So association is a huge one. There's often a cue that triggers a behavior that then triggers a reward, okay? Cue, behavior, reward. I get home. That's my cue to relax on the couch. My behavior is to pull out the phone. The reward is the hit of dopamine that I get when I'm scrolling through social media, okay? Or it could be the cue is my alarm goes off the behavior is I get out of bed and I quickly go to the bathroom and I start washing my face. And the reward is I already feel like I've got something done when I would have normally just been asleep in bed. So now what I want you to do is look at your behaviors and try and identify as many habits that you can. What is your morning routine like? And there's normally there's some sort of a routine, whether you like it or not, there's some sort of a routine, okay? Do you hit snooze all the time? Do you check your phone straight away? Are you bouncing out of bed and like straight out going for a walk or, or what, what is it that you do in the morning? What is your wake-up time? That's a habit, getting up at the same time. Um, what is your eating habits, your exercising habits? How often do you check your phone? That's a habit. Do you think when I get a notification, I have to check it? Or have you gotten into a different habit that no matter how many notifications I get, I only check my phone once I've done 30 minutes of a task. Like everyone gets into these habits. Um, how do you drive your car? Do you, every time you go past the kitchen, do you open the fridge and just have like a stand there and have a look at what's there? That, that's also a habit. Um, how do you entertain yourself? How do you like to wind down? 
Try and identify as many habits as possible, good and bad. Write them all down because identifying and being self-aware is one of the best ways to determine which habits aren't working for you. A lot of people do habits and not even realize it's a habit. They just think, oh, it's so annoying that I just can't get things done or I procrastinate all the time or I this, I that, I that. And they just beat down on themselves without thinking, maybe I've just created this habit without A, identifying that it's even a habit or B, without even meaning to do it. And now it's it's kind of cock blocking me from doing things. But if you can be aware and identify, that's the first step to then bringing in a new habit to override it, okay? And sometimes you might notice that a friend of yours or a partner or whatever, relative, has picked up a new habit that's not very beneficial to them. Like, have you noticed that maybe someone around you all of a sudden is just smoking way more regularly or they're on the phone all the fucking time and you're like, you never used to be like that. But maybe that person hasn't identified this habit. Maybe your partner gets home every day and just has a beer and you're like, but you never used to do that and now you're making it a habit. Maybe one beer a day isn't a terrible thing, maybe it's not, but if you're doing it every single day to the point that you now can't come home and unwind without having a beer, then that's not a good thing. So it's really easy to identify it in other people around you, but try and spin it around and think, okay, if I can identify it in the people around me, what is something that I've picked up that I'm doing that's really not beneficial? And most of the time, especially in this day and age, it's going to be something around um, um, device using, okay? That's a huge one for most people, using devices way more than you used to. And it's kind of eating into the time where you could be present with people around you or time that you could be investing in your future. Now I want you to write down what habits you'd actually like to have. Like, I'd like to read 30 books a year. I'd love to read every single day before I go to bed. I'd love to do this. I'd love to do that. Just write all the things down that you would like to do. I'd like to exercise more often or or stretch every day or whatever it is. What would you like to do? And one thing I don't want you to do is don't shortchange yourself and say, I'm not a reader. I'm not a gym person. I'm not a smart person. I'm not a meditator. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Stop with that language. If you've not done it consistently enough, how can you say that you're not that kind of person? You either don't want to be a reader or you don't want to be a meditator or you don't want to be someone that exercises regularly or you just haven't given yourself a good enough chance. You might just hate reading and so that's fine. Don't fucking read and make that a habit if you don't enjoy it. But don't say, oh, I'd love to do it but I'm just not a reader because you haven't really given yourself that chance. And disclaimer, I'm not talking about people with attention disorders, okay? That's, that's a whole – I've got a podcast on that so I'm not going into that. I'm talking about this being a matter of want. If you wanted it, a habit can transform that. If you read 15 minutes every single day – Watch yourself become a reader. Watch yourself become a book person. If you sit down and meditate three minutes every day, watch yourself become a meditator. You can become whatever the fuck you want to become, but you have to A, stop blocking yourself from these things by saying, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not that. Are you not or do you just not want to? Or have you just not given yourself the chance? Because they're completely different things. If you don't want it, then great, say I'm not this kind of person, that's just not me, I don't like it. But if you want it, then remove that language altogether and say I'm going to start dedicating X amount of time every single day or four times a week, whether I'm good, bad, shit, whether I'm super distracted or not, I'm going to do it. 
Habits get easier. I can guarantee you that. They get easier. You get better at it. You get faster at it. You become a speed reader if you were doing it every single day. You become brilliant at stretching. You become someone who really enjoys exercising. You become someone who's great at studying. Can you believe? Some people hate the concept of studying, but you could actually become really good at it because every time you sit down and get in the zone, your brain's like, oh, okay, here we go. I'll just outsource this to my subconscious because you've done it so many times. You don't resist you don't have any emotion or judgment behind it. You just do it. And when you let your brain do it, you get out of your own way and you become fucking good at it because the brain knows what it's doing. We get in the way all the time. Outsource this shit and your brain knows what it's doing. Let your brain take charge. Just step out of the way. The only thing that you have to do for your brain is show consistency. That's all your brain asks for consistency. I'm going to show that I'm intending to be here every single day. I'm going to show up every single day and just show up and put in enough effort just to get through the next 15 minutes. The brain does the rest for you. That hectic attention that you've got to give it, that focus, that strain, that only lasts for the first few times that you do it. But do it enough and your brain will take the reins and make you really fucking good at that task. So give your brain a chance and get out of your way. So my advice to you now is to start small. Start, ideally, what I would advise you to do is start in the morning. Start with the morning routine. Pick a time to wake up and make that time the same for the next couple of months, okay? Every day. Of course, there's the exception. I had a big night, I'm going to sleep in, fine. But I'm talking about 95% of the time, that is the time that you wake up every day. Then add to it. Okay, I'm going to wake up and then I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And then you start to add, start small. Don't overwhelm yourself because you don't, like I said, if it's this basic 15 minute thing every single day, your brain's like, huh, piece of cake, done, done. I'll fucking outsource it to the subconscious subconscious mind. I don't have to think about it. If you're then saying, right, this is my fucking timetable for the day and you fill it up with all this hectic shit, then your decision fatigue is going to come in. You're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be judging yourself. It's too much and then it's not going to happen. But you start small, you start with maybe two or three things. And once you're doing it consistently to the point where it feels weird not to do it, add another thing, add another thing, add another thing. And before you know it, you've got this epic morning routine that you get more done in the first two hours of your day than you normally would in a whole day. So right now, go over the list of everything that you've identified as being a good habit in your life, everything that's a bad habit. The good habits in your life Keep them and maybe even figure out, should I be doing this earlier in the day? Would I benefit by doing this earlier? So figure out when it's best to do those things. And some habits you can't really change, like how you drive a car, you fucking drive a car whenever you need to drive a car. But some habits you can. Maybe meditate at the start of the day. Maybe whatever, you sort it out for yourself. Then the ones that are not great, identify when it is that you're doing it. And that's when you can best choose different habits to override it. If your habit is, I really want to stop checking my social media in the morning, you don't have to think about stopping that. You just have to put in a new habit in that same time slot. So you literally are building and strengthening a circuit while that other circuit is fading away and fading fast. Okay. So if you've got habits that you don't like at certain time frames, new habits to override it in that same time slot. You can't be doing two habits in the same time slot, okay? Then pick the three most important things that you want to start doing first and make it small. Don't give yourself these crazy, crazy timeframes. Make them small and implement it. And if three is too much, bring it back down to two or bring it back down to one. Get good at forming habits. And the beauty of 
habits is that the more habits you form, the better you get at starting a new habit and sticking to it and it becoming this kind of subconscious process. The brain loves habits. It loves routine. It loves efficiency. And it means that you actually have more time in your head to be spontaneous, to be free, to be, you know, um, to have less stress, to use that attention and to use that, those decision-making skills on things that are more relevant to what you want to be doing, like problem solving or creativity. I think a lot of people might think, oh, but, you know, I don't want to be so um, restricted to these habits. You already are restricted to habits but you probably don't like half of them. We are a creature of habit by default. That's just who we are. So you're already restricted to habits. Make them good fucking habits that work for you, okay? You will be more adventurous. You'll be more spontaneous the more beneficial habits you have in your life. Don't think that creating all these habits is going to kill the, the, the freedom side of you. It's going to actually enhance that side of you because you actually have more free time and more energy to dedicate to that adventurous part of you. Okay. So don't think, oh, I'm going to be like, I'm cock blocking myself because I'm going to be this boring thing, whatever. We are already controlled by our habits. Make sure that they're good ones and not default ones that you've allowed to slip in through the cracks. Guys, a bad habit can literally scrape years of your life in the sense that all this time that you could be dedicating to something could be gone with a bad habit. You could look back and think the last five years, every afternoon, I've done something that I didn't really love. It was entertaining at the time, but it's not served me and it didn't make me happy in the long term. It can literally take away years of your life. You could look back and think by now, even if I dedicated one hour, I would have a thousand hours up my sleeve if I had started when I said I wanted to start just by doing a little bit every single day. You know, it can delay, bad habits can delay progress for years, if not decades. It can put off growth. It can put off happiness for as long as you allow it to. And given that so much of our behaviors are habits, I don't think it's wise to just remove a bad habit without looking how to create a new, another healthy or a beneficial habit. You can't just remove and have nothing in that void because that's when you slip back into other habits or that's when you just kind of go into this default habit that you didn't even intend to put there. On the flip side, as you create new habits, you leave less room for the old habits or for the bad habits. So you don't even have to give too much energy to breaking the old circuits and to breaking the old habits. So as long as you're committing to the new ones, that's all you have to do. So take the attention away from those bad habits and just focus on the good habits that you want to be doing. And it will override and it will get easier and easier and easier. And before you know it, you've broken this cycle without even thinking about it because you've created a new cycle and that's where your energy is. Guys, I hope that that episode, that this episode has been beneficial. I hope it's like planted a seed and maybe made you think about how you kind of restructure your day or at the very least how you restructure your morning. You can start something today and think about where you could be at the end of the year. It's very exciting. Even if it's something that's not career-wise, start something fucking random. Even do it as an experiment. If you start on a fucking Rubik's Cube, how good will you be at the Rubik's Cube in six months' time? It's exciting. It's exciting to see how good the brain is to you when you give it the tools and when you give it the perfect breeding ground for productivity. Okay, so give it a red hot go. Hopefully that was beneficial. Send this to someone that you think might benefit from this episode. And guys, thank you so much for sharing the episode on your social media 
on your Instagram, to your friends, to your families around the world. I'm forever grateful for you all. Um, Just a shout out to a few of my beans around the world. We've got a few locations. We've got Mornington in Australia, Brampton in Canada, Kolkata in India and Warsaw in Poland and so many more around the world. Um, They just keep coming up. When I check the stats, there's all these like cool different towns and cities and locations around the world where you guys are listening to the podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in. Love you guys so much. It's going to be a great year for you. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for you. Thrilled for me. Thrilled for us. We live for this feeling. That's the mantra of the year. Um, As always, remember, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.